0: Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Codurian's Talks, the podcast where we talk about all things technology, software development, and craftsmanship. I am José, J.R. we on LinkedIn and Twitter, and I'll be your host for today's session. And today we're going to be mixing a couple of topics. In particular, we'll be talking about how we can use machine learning to optimize online e-commerce experiences, something that if we look back a few years was kind of reserved only for big brands like Amazon and so on, and with the, let's call it, democratization of, of this kind of technology with principles like you know TensorFlow or um, providers like AWS and Azure and so on giving us components that we can you know, use out of the box uh, has become a lot more accessible to let's say almost any business. And to that we have with us today Sergio Ortiz. He's the CEO and co-founder of Jimoku, a company that is helping e-commerce businesses make better decisions aided by the power of machine learning. Sergio, how are you doing?
1: Hi, Jose. Thanks
0: for inviting me. Uh, it's it's great to have you here. And uh, you know, when we were preparing this thing. I was uh, quite uh, quite interested because you you have gone through a journey in your career before you you, you know uh shimoku no because uh, you started with physics right you, you started you, you had a degree in physics and then you know moved to electronics and then you know big data data science and and an mba so so that for me was kind of fascinating <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> yes yes it sounds like i don't know what to do right no uh,
0: <laughs> <through> no speech- <laughs> Uh, on the contrary, I mean, I think it actually provides you know a different point of view, you know, not just of the you know technical challenges, but but also the business challenges that technology is trying to solve, right? And this is one of the reasons I, I feel will be a great episode today, because because uh, again, it's it's something that is. Pretty interesting is that uh, that uh, overlap now between the technology itself, no, which it's something cool, but at the same time solving a, a business uh, problem. No, and um, again, when we when we think about this stuff, like we we talk about machine learning all the times in the in this podcast and stuff, uh, but. I guess what people don't realize is how much we are influenced by this technology. You know, even when we don't buy online, right? Like even even if we just go to a store, uh, that is somehow being fed a lot of the times into you know, machine learning models to then you know make decisions and all this stuff. So uh, just to to give a bit of an overview, you no. Know, what are some of those ways in which you think you know we're being influenced, let's say, uh, as consumers or or as uh, you know people who buy online?
1: Yeah, this is this is a very good point. I mean, uh, certainly we are getting in a new era in which basically algorithms are everywhere, and this not only influences. Uh, our work in the future because many jobs are going to get lost. Of course, some others are going to be created, but the mass destruction of, of works is going to be remarkable. But beyond that, it also influences our our daily life, right? Because uh, things that before require you to think in the process and to optimize the process. I don't know. For instance, we can think in a in a taxi driver, right? So these things or these kind of jobs are probably not going to exist in years, in five in China and probably more or less in the same time in the States and in 10, 15 in, in Europe. And uh, from this automatization of, of a specific uh, task, it also comes another automatization of other tasks that maybe we are not so aware of like when we choose a movie for instance right now we have netflix that uh, well we all scroll dur- during hours in netflix right but many times we choose one of the of the recommendations we have for us and if we think of it like before like 20 years ago we went into a into a movie movie store, and we spent there some time with uh, our family, just deciding, discussing, and it was not so influenced, right? And of course, the information they have of us was much more reduced. I mean, if the owner of the store knew us, they could suggest based in our experience, but it was much more handcrafted exper- experience. What we have nowadays is quite different, actually, is, and it's also problematic somehow and many trends goes in the direction of really thinking in the ethics and the the ethics of this AI that really can influence our life and constrain this life because, and this is, uh, we listen to stories every month of this happening, right? Like a black person in the States don't get alone just because it's a black woman, right? So the way it's influencing our decisions, the way it's influencing our job, and the way it really it influences uh, where we can arrive in our life, uh, it's already strong. And the, the thing is that it's going to get stronger and stronger during the following years. So we are just in the beginning of,
0: of this. So, yeah, you mentioned uh, recommendations. That's that's definitely one way which we you know we we see it all the time. No, uh, but uh, it, it definitely goes beyond that, right? Like uh, it, it's gone to the extreme of you know with that information about you, basically it can predict. No, a uh, what your behavior is going to be right or uh when to maybe suggest for you to buy something or when to is a better you know moment to get in touch but this is this is something that we're not very aware of there is this uh, there's this anecdote now of uh, someone getting um uh, uh, uh a voucher i think it was for diapers and that kind of stuff no? and, and the name of uh, uh, the the person's daughter and uh, finding out that the daughter was pregnant just because of her habits Now, so, so there's this ethical kind of uh, aspect of of that uh, but there's also you know the ability to to some extent to predict the future no, in in this in way, for the business at least, this is this is pretty interesting. No, exactly. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah, it's even going farther. I mean, it's really driving our lives. Meaning, uh, if we think of all these uh, things that happened with Facebook and the elections, and I mean, uh, I if we think like FBI. 30 years ago they checked what books people read on the public libraries but now this is uh, they can go far beyond right and even if we think in our democracies they are in risk like it's very easy to get rid of uh, politicians that are a problem for the elites and yeah it's really in all the layers of society in all the layers of our daily life nowadays already. (laughs)
0: So when it comes to e-commerce,s right, which is uh, what we will be focusing on uh, uh, today, uh, what are some of the you know examples that that you can give of this? So we, we talked about recommendations. What else do you see there?
1: Yes. Uh for the e-commerce the dream is like you are in a physical store this has been always the dream of the e-commerce right you have someone giving you the service you recognize that person that person recognizes you and that person tries to give you the best possible service uh, in the moment the e-commerce born in the in the early 90s no we have still uh, an example as amazon uh, so it was far more like buying those all st- style of buying through through phone calls uh, with a brochure, right? And the kind of things that are happening in e-commerce, the kind of uh, things that are uh, showing up ha- have to do in particular with this uh, with this idea of reach, the difference between purchasing through a brochure, making a phone call, and purchasing in a store where you feel uh, you have someone really, taking care of you right taking care of
0: your meat. that that really personalized you know almost tailored uh, experience just for you no as as a consumer
1: exactly exactly so basically we go with recommender systems but uh, when i say we i mean the market the industry right but uh, we also go with uh, things like uh, forecast churn forecast the engagement of the users forecast what products are going to be sold and in which amount all these sort of things are already happening. And the idea is to really improve this customer experience, which is the ultimate goal, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and it, it, it's not just for the customer. I, I can see one of the examples you mentioned oh, how this can be very valuable for the business. Now, if, if you know that this particular product uh, is going to be selling more or, you know, you can even forecast, a, you know, when to, you know, get more of that product no or or automatically determine you know uh if you need to stop uh buying and so and and save money no, also or or basically uh not to have that opportunity cost no Of, of People having demand, but not having the the product itself, no?
1: Yes, and, and it also has a strong influence in the people working in the commerce. I mean, in the people which is under the hood, for instance, the marketing teams, which before they work with these long excels of the customers, trying to find out some clues and some patterns, right? These people now can really work in things that are more for humans, more uh, in the imagination side, more in the creative side, right? And all these uh, tasks... That we can understand as driving, right? A series of operations based in some outcomes. These things are are getting more and more automatized by machine learning, and and this is influencing us as a customers, but it is influencing us as a workers of this sector. <laughs>
0: hmm yeah so what what do you think is necessary for you know a business to to be able to let's say innovate in this in this right and when i say innovate i'm not saying like the being the ones you know uh, the bleeding at the bleeding edge of technology i'm just saying you know if you're bringing in new technology to enable things that you're you weren't doing in the past that's also innovating no and within the the context of your business. what what do you think of the uh, let's say Prerequisites, no, to some extent that that uh, you find are needed for this.
1: Yes, uh, regarding the prerequisites, there are by one side the technical, right? Like you have to have good data, you have to have enough nice history of data so that the the algorithm can really learn something. But there is also one thing that with the time I put more and more importance, and that is never or never thought or. I I never see this in in blog posts and so on, which is basically like, Mm, understand what is the problem you want to solve. Meaning, machine learning, uh, artificial intelligence in general is not making any miracle. Basically, it's taking a task that can be done by a human, and it's making that task in a predictable way. Meaning, it's not going to have bad days. It's not going to have holidays. It's not going to. Uh, it's going to do it twenty four seven with the same performance always. So for me, uh, it's very important that we understand which are the tasks that our people in the company are doing, which of them can be automatized? And to be automatized, we also need this other layer of, okay, do we have the data? Do we have the IT infrastructure that allows allows us to run a machine learning algorithm so that that task doesn't need to be done by a person anymore, or at least supervised by the person, not, not carry it on?
0: Mm-hmm. So the, the technology itself uh, is, is one of those. Uh, do you feel like there are other areas that are also, you know, need to be in place? Because it seems interesting, right? Because you, you're mentioning that, you know, the first thing is you need to be clear about what problem you're trying to solve, no, so to speak. Uh, what, what is it that you're trying to, you know, do predictively and so on? But uh, a lot of the times organizations... You know, they're the, the messy, you know, the, the, it's, it's it's difficult to get that alignment, No, know, that uh, uh, alignment between the technology and the, the product we should, because sometimes it's not even very clear what it is that... Uh, no, that, that's there.
1: Exactly, exactly. I mean, uh, many times uh, when you talk to people, no, and it's normal because it's a new, it's a new uh, technology, and people still don't know it and else. But uh, what they expect is, oh, I want to basically double my profits, and it's like, okay, fine. But if you say that to your team, what are they going to say? They are going to make a plan of actions to really double that profit, right? So basically what you need is that set of actions. And when you have that set of actions, the next question is who is going to do that and how. And at that point is where you already start to see where the machine learning can get in, right? Okay, so this task, for instance, which is, I don't know, uh, in an Excel checking uh, what I have been selling uh, of my products and then, kind of uh, infer what I am going to sell in the following weeks. This sort of task is a task that is carried on by a human, is very easy to define, and it's very operational. Then these tasks are the ones that, in my experience, machine learning has a bigger impact. And then eventually, when you have solved 10, 15 of these problems, eventually you can say, okay, now I want to double my profit, but you're going to double your profit with a plan, with a plan. And that's why it's very important to, to be accompanied by humans when you are implementing machine learning in your company, because it's really about a substitution. You can also think in uh, create new tasks, do new things. But my advice for this is always, well... First, do it yourself. I mean, uh, first, let's do it with a person. Uh, first, we need a human that understands how this task is done, how to improve this task. And then we can put an algorithm that eventually can bring it uh, far beyond and can do it better, faster, and blah, 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 right? But if we want to solve a problem we, don't, we cannot define, then that's why I think 90% of the machine learning projects fail because uh, we have to start by very mundane task really
0: and how how would you recommend going about selecting which which are ideal candidate tasks let's say for um yeah you know, for, for going into something like this no like
1: yeah yeah there, there is there is a, a lighthouse that i think that always points in the right direction okay what are the excels that people are working in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And what are you doing with them? Exactly. (laughs) Next question is,
1: okay, what are you doing with this Excel? Right, right. But uh, most of the works uh, carried on in Excel can be really automatized. Uh, Some of them, because most of them are uh, calculus, some of them you don't need machine learning, but some others you really do. And then uh, it's really a lighthouse. Okay, let's start with the Excels. (laughs)
0: okay Okay. but if if you're talking about excel i can i can see how you know the the end we're we're talking about data no uh in order to make these decisions and to you know do this stuff like you need to have a strong base i would say no to to be able to you know uh, build the models on top of that and so on and what i've found no in, in the past no is that's not always very straightforward no uh especially you know if you're working with larger organizations and so on there may not be just one excel cheat no there, there may be you know thousands of them all over the organization even even you may not have a, a clear idea of no i'm of course exaggerating a little bit to to make a point but uh what, what do you think
1: yeah, I mean, uh, for me, I think it's it's very important to stop, uh, start walking by one side. Yeah, there are thousands. Okay, let's pick those that really are consuming a lot of energy, a lot of time, and are really uh, terrestrial work, right? Like nothing that a human with a very basic training cannot do. So I would start by something like that. And yeah, I think that the also the thing about the data availability and so on, what you say, the complexity of making machine learning, uh, thankfully, is, is being reduced exponentially year by year. I remember when I started in this industry six years ago, and it was hell to do any uh, any minor proof of concept. Uh, thankfully, uh, this is changing very fast, right? And nowadays to make a proof of concept is quite fast. So what is the art for me? The art is always towards what the algorithm you're building is going to compete. Because for instance, Let's say that I want to do uh, uh, image classification of videos to make subtitles. It will not be an image then. It will be a, a voice, okay? A voice recognition to make subtitles in videos. And you want to sell it to YouTube. Well, uh, good luck with it. I mean, I am not saying you cannot do it, but you are already comp- competing against another algorithm that have access to uh, much more data. Then the thing is that you you are going to get into a really hard struggle. Instead of that, I think that what most organizations should focus on, and when I say most, I mean 95% or 99%, and not necessarily small ones, in particular enterprise as well, is to focus in those ones in which the algorithm is going to compete against a human. Because, again, our capacity to calculate, to be fast, to be precise, to have always the same performance every day is very limited. So... Uh, really, when you start implementing machine learning in a company, what you need are few successes to justify your expenses and the expenses of your team and so on. Otherwise, there is going to be blood on the way, right? So, so I will start with an algorithm that compete against people. Because let's say that is the easy game.
0: And uh, regarding the uh, information to feed those algorithms, is is there anything in particular you find that is is key when it comes to getting the data? I don't know, quality, quantity, something like that? or are you
1: yes yes uh, th- there is there is also one rule of zoom and 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 really it has been foundational for 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 shimoku eh? because uh, the thing is that usually for instance in, in the case of e-commerce is that we are talking right i mean if you build your own e-commerce the probability that you start having or that you end up having a data structure of your database that is messy that is weird that didn't include all the use cases all the use cases that you are finally facing and that then end up being sort of a, a frankenstein is high and then what happened with this is that the before doing the machine learning you will need a long process of data governance, building data lakes, data warehouse, a lot of cleaning of data. And this can last months and years, depending on the size of the organization. So my advice will be like, if you have tools, if you have platforms for do your job, like will be this uh, platforms for e-commerce, Shopify, blah, blah, blah. My advice will be to anyone who is considering to, to open an e-commerce, don't risk to do that on your own. Why? Because uh, every time... Uh, there are more and more machine learning focus in these platforms. And the beautiful thing of these platforms is that they all have the same structure for all their clients. Then when you solve a problem for one of them, it works for most of them. This means that companies, machine learning companies are more um, and more interested in really getting into solve machine learning problems. Uh, Problems for platforms of data that will give them access to thousands of so potential just to, clients. Just to
0: clarify, there, my understanding. So, you mean then, let's say I, uh, I build my business on top of, I don't know, uh, SAP slash uh, civil slash Hybris, one of these, you know, CRM slash do everything. Shops, <laughs> no, um, and you uh, mean that, uh, that there's already solutions readily available to solve a lot of these problems that uh, sort of fit directly into into this, you know, uh, platforms. Is is that what we're saying here? Okay. Yes,
1: yes, yes. I mean, of course, if you are Nike, you want to have your own e-commerce, all the engineering, you want to control really end to end but really i mean if you want to have an e-commerce that makes even tens of millions you can with these platforms uh, the same way that you can go with uh, through a crm like mailchimp or you can build your own mailing system nobody nowadays thinks in oh i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna build my own mailing system you go and you you sign up in mailchimp and in five minutes you you can you can contact your customers yeah, this right.
0: is precisely what i was trying to mention at the beginning no like uh, the the idea that all of these things are kind of becoming more and more available to you know smaller and medium businesses that not necessarily need to be you know uh, you know big, big shops no big brands or no and and that's that's quite interesting because uh, uh, let's say, why would why would you say that is happening right now? Like, what, what do you think are, have been contributing factors for that, you know, popularization of, of the technology in that sense?
1: Yes. Uh, well, at least thinking in the machine learning case, that is the one I am more aware of. Uh, let's say that uh Really, this popularization, uh, in this case, comes uh, thanks to this normalization of the data structures of the companies. And if you think of that, it's even tricky, right? Because then you think, okay, then for Nike, it's more difficult to implement machine learning than for a Presta shop, uh, for a small e-commerce that make one million a year. And the short answer is that yes. And this could be taken as an advantage for the small to compete against the big. Of course, uh, they have a lot of resources and they will have always the last uh, edge technology. Uh, but they will it will cost to them much more zeros than it will cost to small and medium businesses to have something that really can compete against these tailored systems. So, yeah, I mean, the, the tailored is becoming something for when you big, so grow, at least this is my reading uh, is, is becoming something like when you, big, uh, you, sorry, you grow so big that really, uh, the, the amount of money you are paying to the provider is insane. And at some point, it gets cheaper for you and it gets safer to really control in-house those operations. But this is the case of, I don't know, 1% of the companies maximum.
0: Right. And uh, do you feel like the, uh, let's say, software engineering required to, to put something like this in place uh, is very different from traditional enterprise you know software that that gets built or is it the same thing or
1: hmm, hmm. yeah I, I i think i think it is the same thing there is one one funny thing about this as well and is that there are some efforts as well to automatize coding so also the software developers uh, we must be a bit scared about this because in the end our job is just a set of operations in a logical order and this can be also, automatize. So this is a small parenthesis I wanted to do now because I think it's it's worth to mention. And and getting back to your question, uh, yes, yes. I mean, uh, really, every time you need less developers in a small and medium company to have something that works pretty well. In a large company, the the opposite happened, right? Because you have all these. Uh, gigantic structures that have been building for years and you need to maintain those because the only idea of change, uh, it takes decades. I say decades, it's more many years, but it could be eventually decades. Right. And this is why, right. All the, you mentioned in the beginning all what Amazon Web Services, Google Cloud, all these infrastructures are allowing is to really build a, a, a machine learning startup with five people, uh, such as is the case of uh, Shimoku, such as is the case of many others. It would be impossible three years ago and 10 years ago, uh, not even a dream, to build a machine learning company with five people it's it's not possible you need to take care of the back end of the <laughs> systems front end then the machine learning it's not <laughs> really able
0: uh, I mean yeah it, I guess it, it also depends on the size of the of the uh, company no, you know or the end customer right because um for someone I guess who is starting you no, know, is who's uh, building it, uh, as you mentioned you now some of the platforms PrestaShop or whatever right um it's easier or it's a more approachable solution to do something like that but if you let's say did not start online right uh, if you started with a with a uh, store you know brick and mortar kind of thing and then you already have a bunch of uh, data or information that is not coming only from those channels then it, it becomes a bit more complicated no uh, in fact the what we found in the past is that there's a lot of work that needs to happen before you can even think no as you were saying no, you talked about data governance but uh, there are many other aspects of that is like just adapting the current systems in order to be able to you know provide you with the information uh, that you need or you know in the state uh, that is needed or uh, or even scaling no uh, to to be able to do this is it's one of those things that it's you know if you started you you have a greenfield kind of thing <laughs> Perfect. No, that's a that's a perfect case. No? Yeah. But if you if you're already there, um, do you have any recommendations for for people who are in that situation?
1: Yeah, it's it's funny. I think because uh, there are many many directions uh, of development of technology, and it's very funny that actually the omni-channel is still not solved at all. I mean, uh, I. I have been in this retail uh, making machine learning for retail in the last 6 years of my life and actually there is uh, I haven't find still non retail that have really well integrated the brick and mortar the e-commerce and then you wonder okay how how can you even think of putting machine learning for to the whole system if it's still unconnected mostly yeah there are uh, there are some uh, always uh, some tries and some breaches, and every time there are more breaches between the line and the, and the brick and mortar stores. But the reality is that they are very, very unconnected. And for some also logical reasons, such as, of course, in the commerce, you can really track with your customer because you need an address and you need an email and probably a phone number. So you can assign an ID to that person and you can track that ID in the future. But in an e-commerce, uh, you don't have that, and you don't really want to put cameras uh, to to track people, right? Uh, to face recognition, uh, you will end up in jail, probably, right? So,
0: well, <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. Um- so you you still uh, before we were when we were getting ready to record, uh, you mentioned this is one of the things of you know uh, doing this in your developer environment environment and so on. You so you still uh, write a lot of uh, the code then that uh, for this system. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yes, luckily and unluckily. Luckily because I, I like it a lot, and unluckily because really I am super. Uh, Overloaded, and I have to start uh, leaving that aside. But uh, yes, yes, uh, I I start doing, and let me tell you as well that. Uh, I am enjoying a lot. It's the first time in my life that I am really 100% in the business side and is still still develop, developing for the company. And it's very interesting how you structure the code when you are thinking a lot in the business. It's very, very different. And this is something that uh, I will write something about that, I think. <laughs> okay,
0: okay. That's, that's cool. So uh, digging a, a bit deeper into that, like, um, are there any particular, let's say, tools or frameworks that you would recommend someone who wants to you know maybe start getting a little bit into it or you know uh, dabbling uh, w- what would you recommend let's say that you would say is the you know top five thing or three things that uh, that people need to you know have in their tool but if you're hmm
1: yeah, well, first I will recommend Python, certainly. I mean, is the is the language for machine learning. You can find plenty of, of resources for that, so so it's a must. And then I will recommend the typical libraries, Scikit-learn, Pandas. Uh, the, you can find them on GitHub. They have 10 of thousands of contributors, uh, making really your first machine learning algorithm is 10 lines of code. And honestly, very few times you will need to go to things more sophisticated than that. Because many times it's really about more understanding the problem and the business that really being uh, a world championship in machine learning. Because we are still very far of having algorithms for everything. Therefore we are still very far of making algorithms to compete against other algorithms. Most of the time you do algorithms to compete against nothing.
0: So... Mm uh yeah uh, i guess no it also depends on on the type of pro, uh, you know problem no very i would say very few businesses have like very unique uh kind of problems that they're trying to solve no especially if you look at e-commerce is an industry that's been yeah that has been around for <laughs> quite some time no so uh, the challenges in logistics, the challenges in you know the the experience and so on are kind of uh are there no and they're more or less you know, very similar, uh, if you know, from, from store to store, whether you're selling books, no, or you're selling, you know, uh, diapers, <laughs> it's not, uh, you, you still have the same kind of thing, no, the, the same kind of challenge. So, um, just mindful of the time and, and so on, uh, would you have any recommendations, anything you'd like to like maybe you know, say on resources or anything, you know, for someone who's listening yeah. to us?
1: Yeah, I mean, regarding machine learning, I will really suggest the book Introduction to Statistical Learning. If you Google it, it's going to be the first uh, resource you find. It's, for me, the the Bible to start with, with machine learning, to understand the math. You don't really need to be... Uh, an expert in math uh, to understand, but you really need to need you need to be uh, maybe an engineer. You need at least one year of university math to understand it, but then you will grasp it and and it really will boost your understanding. Regarding uh, the regarding how these digital companies are having so much impact in e-commerce and so on, maybe I will suggest the book "Bleed from Reid Hoffman. The 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 co-founder of linkedin of linkedin and yeah i think it's also interesting to read both at the same time and maybe (laughs) this thing of linking business and
0: technology well sergio thank you very much uh, for your time uh really glad uh, to have you Uh, and uh, for everyone who's listening see you then in another episode thanks to you jose a pleasure